Hey there, once again, everyone. Welcome to the Dayton Poetry Slam podcast. I'm your host, Link Schreiber. And this week, we are heading into April. Um, I believe this is April 3rd of this year. And we got three sections. This show is going to take up three different episodes. This first episode is the first half of the open mic. And then the next one is our feature uh, poet of that time, the incomparable Letitia Lachey. And then the following episode after that is going to be the last half uh, of the open mic for this show. So sit back. This should be a lot of fun. I hope you enjoy it. And just a reminder, check us out online at all social media, Dayton Poetry Slam, um, except on Twitter, it's at Slam Dayton, uh, or our website, DaytonPoetrySlam.com. And the work that you're going to be listening to is the uh, work of the author, unless otherwise mentioned, all copyrights lie with the author and not us. So sit back, enjoy, let's hit the DeLorean to 88 miles an hour and go back to April 3rd. 2022 we're getting the camera set up for youtube so we used to live stream the shows yeah. but because technology that never fucking worked technology doesn't like no we just put all that strain on my crappy work computer and it just didn't work no yeah, that's fair we now record the show and then we send then we upload it generally the next day or so but tomorrow's the first day of my new term so i'm not making any promises no promises for tomorrow if you are like oh these guys are recording this for youtube i want to read but i don't want to be on the internet doing it just let us know we'll make sure you're not on the internet doing it we're cool like that i will curse you the entire time i'm editing but i'll do it So you might experience some indirect hostility from Link, but it'll mostly be in the basement of his own home. So, you know, taking the same course of action most people our age do on, when they're on the internet and angry. Basement? I don't work in a basement. I thought I your office was in the basement. No, my office is in like the top uppermost. I'm in a tower. I'm like in the topmost part of the house. Do you have a corner office, Link? No, but I do have a hunchback servant. It's a Frankenstein reference. Oh, okay. I was like, I was, I was trying to figure out if you were violating any labor laws by no. having this. Uh... It's my cat. Their name is Igor. Your cat's trained well enough to be a servant. Yeah, it brings me hairballs all the time. What the fuck do you want hairballs for? <laughs> I don't know. I didn't say it was a good one. Do we, do we still need to sync the recording with the video? No, I've already done it. Oh, okay. Yeah, while, while, you, while we've been chatting, it's already recording, and we've already recording it here on the uh, soundboard. Uh, so say hi to YouTube. Sup, YouTube. G give the obligatory comment. Thanks for liking and clicking that bell. You know what time it is. Wait, that's, we're not Good Mythical Morning. I'm sorry. No, make sure you uh, hit the like button. Be make, sure to hit the like button and subscribe. Make sweet, sweet love to that subscribe button. If you don't know what the fuck we're talking about, it's Dayton Slam on YouTube. Dayton Poetry Slam on YouTube. If you don't know what the fuck we're talking about and you're watching on YouTube, that's congratulations a whole other level you. of meta. I mean, we've already been demonetized. Like it's been five minutes, and we've, we're already demon demonetized for my cussing. Isn't meta Facebook? And YouTube, Google. He waited until I took a bite. I did, yep. Yep, I did. By the way, you are now allowed to raw dog the microphones. <laughs> Sup. <laughs> I took it off because I hate having to remember to take it off and put it back on. So, I'm guessing part of the reason you got me up here is because you want me to host the first round of the open mic this evening. Actually, yes, but I just wanted to frame the shot to make sure that I didn't have to adjust the camera anymore. Did we want to make sure the other microphone is also in the shot? Did you see the last show? It's a wide shot. I got both of you in Okay, there. cool. 
Yeah, you're fine no matter which microphone you stand on. Camera right. one, camera two, it's the same fucking camera. Remember, if you want to make things awkward for the people at home, stare directly into the camera the entire time you're reading. Like this. So I'll start hosting the first round here in just a second. I don't have a sign-up sheet in my hand, so I couldn't... Oh, Link's bringing it to me. How about that? Give it up for Link, y'all. All right, for those of you that have never been here before, my name is Jonathan. I will be your host. I'm the host of the first round of this evening. Pretty decent dude, driver of the Winnebago. How the hell y'all doing tonight? When did we get a Winnebago? I just came back from D.C. this morning. I could have used that damn thing. It was a Blues Brothers reference. Tease. <laughs> Some people have never seen Blues Brothers. Are you talking about your... Um, okay, okay. I was like, y'all have been together for a while. I don't know if you can put her not seeing a movie on her entirely at this point. By the way, I watched Encanto last night. Fantastic movie. If you haven't seen it, do so. Just don't talk about Bruno. My number one concern now is that there's someone living in the walls of my house. That's, that's not entirely true. What is entirely true is that I'm wasting a whole bunch of fucking time running my mouth. If y'all are just coming to the door, link back there at the soundboard can get you taken care of for the admission if charge. If you want to read, I have a sign-up sheet in my hand. Come find me when I get off stage. Run up and yell at me while I'm on stage. Shout from the back of the room. We'll figure it out together. Only one person put a request next to their name not to be called at a certain time, so... Kind of leaves the rest of y'all at the mercy of the host. Y'all give it up for our feature this evening, Letitia. That's a very 80s looking outfit. I dig it. What? Yeah. All right, y'all, we are going to go ahead and get started. We're going to call our first poet of the evening up. Before we do, Link, how many poems do they get to read this evening? How many poets do we have? That is an excellent question. And after I do some simple math here that mostly involves counting with my fingers, I'll let you know. We currently have 13 poets signed up for the open mic this evening. Two. Y'all get two poems. Of reasonable length. Of a reasonable length. Like, more than two pages, think of another poem. Unless it's like double-spaced and like 13 or in, in like 30-point font. Then in, anyone starting with Call Me Ishmael, I will cut you from both the YouTube feed and the show. And if you go over five minutes for yeah. one poem, we've yeah, borrowed pittance. the hook they use at the Apollo. No, we haven't. We can't afford that shit. Borrowed may be a very loose term for how we acquired it. Thank you. All right, y'all, put your hands together for your first poet of the evening. 
I thought a bunch of people just like scooted back as I said that. <laughs> Put your hands together for teacher. It's not here yet, y'all. Come on. Well, we're living in the future. Everything's absurd. An excess of information deflates the market price of words. Stupidity will reign here. The thinking forced to buckle. But when life gives you gasoline, just sip it slow and chuckle. Is that a reasonable length? <laughs> pick your poison, pick your pistol, pick your favorite flavor, arsenic. It's a hard existence as a narcissistic arsonist, carving little coffins for my pet cockroaches' carcasses. I promise it's my marked wish to part with this sick, dark abyss. But the rigid bars of addiction are not bending per my hardest grip. Arduous, lethargic binges harnessed from the carpet stench startle my catharsis. Don't you want to be an artist, kids? Darling little starlets, aren't you starving for a shark to kiss? Well, I'm far from Mr. Hard and Simple, honest list of accomplishments. I can't start to list the carcinogenic garbage harbored in this chest. It's part of all the sorry symptoms imparted with this tarnished gift. I'll give it up one more time for teacher. And remember, you are not only allowed, you are absolutely encouraged to interact during the show. You're allowed to stomp at lines, clap at lines, moan, groan, boo, hiss. Just enjoy your damn selves. If you moan, you might get a reaction from other people in the audience. Just be forewarned. Also, you may notice Link is in the back of the room taking pictures with his cell phone. He assures us it is only for our Instagram and for non-creepy reasons. Though, as I've said numerous times, why would anyone make that, give that explanation unless there was some doubt? You can find us on Instagram at Dayton Poetry Slam. You can find us on Twitter at Slam Dayton. We are on Facebook at Dayton Poetry Slam. We got kicked off FarmersOnly.com for some reason. All right, it is April, which means it is National Poetry Month. That's probably the loudest this room has ever cheered for National Poetry Month. Yay. Thanks for the inspiration, Link. Anyways, we're going to be posting prompts on the every Monday to our Facebook page and the Instagram page. Due to our well, powers of coordination, they will be the same prompt. And we'll also throw it on Twitter, too. We'll throw it on Twitter yeah. as well. Um, and with that, um, how many people in here are doing a 30 and 30 poetry writing thing this month? All right. One overachiever. I'm also, I'm also, I'm going to attempt to do it. I'm two for two so far. I'm going to pull a Scott Woods and I'm going to do all of it the last night. You're just going to write one epic poem and divide it into smaller poems? Right, exactly. Yeah. That's, that's what's going to be. With that in mind, we are going to be posting... If I'm doing the math right in my head, I don't have a calendar in front of me right now. We're going to be posting four prompts this month. Our poetry slams have three rounds in them, which means we're giving you four topics you can write a new poem about, which is why the poetry slam... The slam proper, I should say, in May is going to be a new shit slam. If you've read it on the mic before, you can't read it that night. If you haven't been here in like a year and a half, you can cross your fingers and hope nobody remembers because aside from Link and I, good chance they won't. Wow. 
you got to make people aware of the fact rules can be bent. Dude, that was low. Keep it up and I'll tell you what a teacher makes. <laughs> All right, y'all put your hands together for our next poet up to the mic, Aisha! You're my favorite poet. Stop. Scooby-Doo. No, you are. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, actually. Thank you. All right, I'm going to read some new shit. <clears throat> this is called The Letters Number Five. On my 12th birthday, you came over with a heart-shaped pillow, a pink diary, and a pen with a feathered tip. Never worked, and I'm not a fan of the color pink. I'd stopped writing in diaries after I caught mom reading it. You slipped up and said I was 14, and I still loved you more. We packed our bags and begged you to stay, or begged to stay with you for a week, which always turned to two. I talk about you to no one. Hey, Dad. Blink if you like any of these colors. Blue, green, chartreuse, Sapphire, which I always thought was pink, but I guess is light blue. I broke down in my living room nearly six years to the day. I didn't know your favorite color, and it follows me around. Red, maybe? I will always be haunted by what I know and what I don't. When Uncle Jimmy died, that was the first time I ever saw you soften. Did you know I adopted this? I wish you wouldn't have said all those things about Mom at that Thanksgiving. Then the year before you died would have meant more. I blame you for never growing up. I have to remain self-aware to walk around your footprints, creating apologies in me for things I haven't done yet. I remember nothing before 2014 on purpose. Always a child in a corner. Always hiding from my ghosts and my vacancies. I fell in love with a boy like you. Promised myself that it would never happen again. You convinced everyone that mom kept us from you. She cried after you died when she thought we'd resent her for it. I've never felt motherless, but dad, I do recall not knowing your favorite color. Purple, maybe. Did you ever listen to a song until it had no meaning? Hey, Dad, what's your favorite song? I want to remember something before 2014. Once, after I moved on my own, I smelled your beer, Bud Light, right? I thought it tasted like cigarette ash water, and you thought it was funny. Anyway, I smelled beer and incense. I don't know what scent you had, but it, hang, it hung in the walls long after burning out. I recall you drenching yourself in cologne to cover the weed smell. Hey, Dad, I just know I got a lot of myself from you. I wish I could pull them out, line them up, and put you together. I wish I knew your favorite color. Or if you liked when the moon looks like you can grab it out of the sky, did you ever look up? I always look up and wonder if your favorite color is that time when the sun is setting and the sky looks that reddish-orange. Hey, Dad, my favorite color is green. What's yours? What's that one? I love how you insult me to show me that you love me. <laughs> Thank you. All right, I got some sad shit again, sorry. <laughs> this is called Letter to a Friend, and I might fuck this up because this is very small. Okay. Dear Sam, do you remember that time you called me and my backpack was still on? I had just walked through the, the, see, I fucked up already. I had just walked through the door. I still had my shoes on. You called me when I had just seen you maybe four hours ago. Do you remember how we were sitting in the student union at Wright State and the conversation no longer sounded like a business transaction? You told me about your mom and your sister, about life in the Philippines, and I listened as I always do. I don't even think we had gone to that concert yet. Do you remember that concert? We screamed, sang every song on the way back. We ate in Kentucky just so we could say we were in two states in one night. You cried in the hotel hallway when your sister told you she was pregnant, and then I barely saw you after that. 
but you called me that day, and I wonder why this isn't the first time someone has asked me to talk them off the ledge. Sam, I don't ever want to hold a life in my hands again. You couldn't have known that I was on that ledge with you. We could have held hands and jumped together. My dad died, and my great-grandma died, and I think I also died. I felt like half a person, Sam. I never told you any of that. I don't know how to tell people things. I could have been sick in love with you and would have never told you. Sam, I wish you hadn't called me. That is not to say that I am not happy you chose to live, but I will carry this around with me forever, Sam. Why did you call me? My words curdled out of my mouth. Those lies were the most genuine ones I could find. I mean that they are true for you, but if I had tried to use those same words to save my own life, it wouldn't have worked. All I'm saying is if you asked me what I had done the previous summer, I'd have told you I have a tattoo and a lot of friends who no longer text me. My love language is anyone telling me I am worthy of my breath. I'd have told you that I should have been calling you and you should have been talking me down. I'd have told you I am not the pillar of positivity everyone thinks I am. I mean, strangers tell me about their tragedies and I feel phony for ever being sad. I mean, being an empath means friends might call you while leaning out the window. I mean, happiness is not a destination, Sam. I want to tell you that I think about you anytime I feel I might be a bad person. I'm so happy you got your degree and you moved to your dream city. I'm so happy that you have your coffee every morning and take walks along the water with your sister and your niece. I'm so happy that you learn the past has already happened, the future doesn't exist yet, and the only moments that matter are the ones happening right now, and that when the spiral starts, we have to walk down it even though it makes us sick, but it's worth it to get to the bottom. This too shall pass. Sam, maybe someday we can talk about how cold and isolating the air is on the ledge and how we never ever want to stand on it again. Thank you. <laughs> hey, wait, Aisha, Aisha, wait, wait. Aisha? Yeah? Don't you have a podcast? I do. <laughs> it's called Goodreads Better Friends. <laughs> I co-host it with Morgan. We have had an episode with the lovely Letitia and Link, and hopefully lots of you. And actually, for National Poetry Month, we're trying to get poets to send us recordings of either their favorite poems by other people or their favorite original piece, which you can send to our email, which if you want, you can just come see us at the table at some point in the show, and we'll set you up. So, yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, I'll give it up for Aisha while I wait for my back to pop into place and jumping up on stage like that. All right, y'all, give it up for your next poet to the mic. We have not seen him here in... Years. You don't know who I'm about to call. We'll go with years, though. Y'all, give it up for Daniel! Uh, thank you. Yes, it has been quite a long time. At the very least, right before uh, the pandemic happened. In fact, that's the last time I've ever written anything. So uh, what I do have prepared for tonight is actually something I went back and took another look at and changed up a little bit of things. But Oh, yes, very old shit. Not, not, not that old. But anyways, um, so the poem starts out uh, with a quote from Teddy Roosevelt, because uh, that's a quote I had in my mind at the time. Um, this is a poem on being bold. It is not the critic who counts, not the man who stumbles out, the man who points out how the strong man stumbles, or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat, in blood. It is written in the Hagakuri that when faced with situations of life and death, to choose death, for it is more honorable to do so and die than to choose life, retreat, and then die all the same. Is this what it means to be bold? To strike out against odds that seem impossible, to stand strong and shout out the eternal phrase of, I don't give a damn. The one in the arena, the ultimate stoic, uncompromising, but not cruel. I must become a man of action, and though it is not the singular soul that drives history forward, 
Those who do so are not passive, not timid. They do what must be done. They're reasonable people. Even when pushed to do things that seem to have no reason, this is how one must be bold. Taking hold of that great spirit that drives all great people of action to be determined, strong, to have overwhelming vitality, more virtues to be explored. Legs as strong as sequoias to stand on stage in front of you, reminding myself and urging those who need to hear this to stand in that arena. Do not choose retreat. Be bold and choose the sword. Thank you. Y'all keep it going for Daniel. A reminder that just because we allow you to, just because you can do two, doesn't mean you have to. You can just read one. We're not going to push you back up on stage and make you read a second poem. All right, with that in mind, we are going to go ahead and keep this moving right along. Y'all put your hands together for your next poet up to the mic. Maxwell! Thank you, thank you. So it's been a long time since I've been here, it seems. I was looking at my Instagram I, I figured I would figure out when I was here by the tag post. It looked like it was like June of 2021. It's like, wow. But literally, I've worked every Sunday of my life, so <laughs> that's just how it goes. So today, I haven't written a lot. Um, I actually haven't written a lot since graduating college back last year. So today, I've got an old one. Oh, shit. You know, it's been slightly revised a little bit. It's a good one. I realized last time I did this poem, I think I actually didn't even finish it. So today it's a little redemption. This one's simply called, I Struck a Match. When you look me in the eyes, I'm burning up inside. Ready or not, I'll let you kiss me always, anytime. Love me like you mean it, and I swear to you, I'll never be a heartbreaker anytime soon. Though I have this feeling I'm flirting with disaster, and if I'm being honest, nothing else matters. The purple haze descends, and I can see clearly now. Your love and my love, intertwined forever and for always, may fade to black like the dark necessities that we built this city upon. The eyes of the world are upon us, and we've reached our threshold. I know you want to move along. I know your dirty little secret. You might think I'd play the game, but I want to break free from this toxicity. Behind these, behind these hazel eyes of yours, I see an iris filled with despair. Look at me and tell me you love me. Because believe it or not, we're on a road to ruin with a new divide sprouting every morning. You say I'm not listening, that I'm not paying attention. I sense a communication breakdown with the sound of silence, the sound of silence becoming louder every day without a remedy. I hate myself for loving you. I give it all but feel so numb. We can't be happy like this. Who shot Cupid, I ask you? Love on the brain, stricken endlessly. He'd follow your arrow, and in the end, it strikes closer to the heart. Take the white room and paint it black. Goodbye to you, and hello from an army of me. Get your shine on, I tell the black hole sun. Might as well drink the night away to another Irish drinking song emanating from the backside of the bar. There's no time for emotion like this, no time to die dancing with myself. We were slow dancing in a burning room. You wanted to light my fire. I struck a match and let you strike up the flame. And now that portrait of my love is just a picture to burn. With no rain and the girl on fire, we were too busy fooling around to realize that couple in the corner should have been us. Yesterday, it was. Thank you. Give it up two more times for Maxwell, y'all. I just wanted to see what y'all would do if I told you to give it up two more times. Apparently the same thing that happens if I say give it up one more time. All right, y'all, coming up next to the mic, put your hands together for Tui! Yeah. 
that short. <laughs> All right, so I got other people's shit tonight. So I got two excerpts from a book. It's called The Dictionary of Obscure Sorrows by John Koenig. So uh, it's basically just defines words for everyday emotions and things that we go through in life, and it basically attaches meanings to them very poetically. So this one's called Maramori, and it's the heartbreaking simplicity of ordinary things. Most living things don't need to remind themselves that life is precious. They simply pass the time. An old cat can sit in the window of a bookstore, whiling away the hours as people wander through. Blinking calmly, breathing in and out, idly watching a van being unloaded across the street without thinking too much about anything. And that's all right. It's not such a bad way to live. So much of life is spent this way, in ordinary time. There's no grand struggle, no sacraments, no epiphanies. Just simple domesticity, captured in little images here and there, all of the cheap little objects. The jittering rattle of an oscillating fan, a pair of toothbrushes waiting in a cup by the sink. There is the ragged squeal of an old screen door, the dry electronic screech of a receipt being printed, the ambient roar of someone showering upstairs, and the feeling of pulling on a pair of wool socks on a winter morning and peeling them off at the end of the day. These are sensations that pass without a second thought, and so much of it is barely worth noting. But in a couple hundred years, this world will turn over to a completely different cast of characters. They won't look back and wonder who won the battles of when. Instead, they'll try to imagine how we live day to day, gathering precious artifacts of the world as it once was, and all of its heartbreaking little details. They'll look for the doodles left behind in the margins of our textbooks and the dandelions pressed in the pages. They'll try to imagine how our clothes felt on our bodies and what we ate for lunch on a typical day and what it might have cost. They'll wonder about our superstitions, the weird little memes and phrases and jokes we like to tell, the pop songs we hummed mindlessly to ourselves. They'll try to imagine how it must have felt to stand on a street corner, looking around at the architecture, hearing old cars rumbling by, the smell in the air, what ketchup must have tasted like. We really think to hold on to that part of life. We don't build statues of ordinary people. We don't leave behind little plaques to commemorate the milestones of ordinary time. Here on the 20, 25th of March, 1994, some neighbors went out walking their dogs. The children took turns holding a leash. It was a fun afternoon for everyone involved. But it all still happened. All these cheap and disposable experiences are no less real than anything in our history books, no less sacred than anything in our hymnals. Perhaps we should try keeping our eyes open while we pray and look for the meaning hidden in the things right in front of us, in the sound of a tic-tacs rattling in a box, the throbbing ache of hiccups, and the punky smell that lingers on your hands after doing the dishes. Each is of itself a kind of meditation, a reminder of what is real. We need these silly little things to fill our lives, even if they don't mean all that much, if only to remind us that the stakes were never all that high in the first place. It's not always life and death. Sometimes it's just life, and that's all right. Thank you. All right. So, so this next one's called, it's another word, it's called Mori, and it's the desire to capture a fleeting experience. A little bit shorter one. Strange how strong the instinct is to see something incredible and reach for a camera, as if you're trying to lend it some credibility, to prove that it's real, that I was here. We live our lives in moments, in those rare experiences we stop to notice and carry with us, in the hopes of stringing them together, trying to tell a different story. But even in the moment, you can already feel it start to fade. So you try to capture it and convert it into something that will last longer than just a flash. A photo can feel more real than its subject. It lets you build a version of the world that you can take with you, a world flattened and simple, a world that doesn't need change, that fits in the frame, a little brighter and more colorful with everything under control. You can travel the globe looking for memories and still find yourself standing behind a camera waiting for the world to hold still. With every click of the shutter, you're trying to press pause on your life, if only so you can feel a little more comfortable moving on, living in a world stuck on play. A part of you knows that you can't take it with you, but doesn't stop you from trying. It doesn't stop you from wondering, what if I could just stay here a little longer? Or what if we just didn't have to go? We try to capture memories and moments as if we're afraid they'll escape, but they'll get away eventually. So go ahead, take one last look, one more shot, so that years from now, you can flip back through and try to relive it all over again. But maybe even then, you'll be thinking to yourself, eh, well, I guess you had to be there. Thank you. Keep it going for two of y'all.
All right, and keep that applause going for your next poet up to the mic. Put your hands together for Shania! If it's Shania, I apologize, but... First time, y'all. Yeah, I'm a little nervous, but whatever. I love to write, and I always have. There's something about the way a pen hits paper like a lightning bolt searching for a taste of the earth. I often feel ashamed in sharing my writings. Maybe it's because I perceive every occurrence in my life deeper than the naked eye. Maybe it's because I believe that those who struggle have slightly different perceptions of the world than those who've, who've glided through life on, life on golden sleds. And I'd like to think I could get a better conversation out of someone who's been through something traumatic. Someone who knows what it's like to hurt and be hurt and live with that. I consider myself to be quite the pessimist, although I believe I have the right. When you've been left out and let down, manipulated and emotionally strained, I think you have the right to believe that the glass is half empty, especially when it hasn't been full in years. In all my life, I've been told that it will be okay, but okay is as far as I'll ever get before I slip back away in the depths of my darkened solitude where okay is far from reach. Thorned branches impale my palms, gore out drips of blood, regret, fresh wounds crafted from loving imposters. I no longer can bear the pain, so instead of holding on, I release my frightened grips where I then descend and plummet back into the trenches of my melancholy war. So tell me that it will be okay, because I know damn well it will be, but dare it ever be more than that. And if you felt any bone rumble as I read through that, then you've been through something traumatic. Those lines above are how I depict the depressed from the doubtful. It's easy to wipe a tear from another and confirm that everything will be okay when you've never felt quite like that. And doubtful they remain that you feel any pain as they shove you further into your cave of struggles. And as you cradle yourself in the dark rock bottom, it becomes easy. Easy for them to echo words of encouragement as they lie in the sun on the tops of the mountains where all their lives they have remained. For I know that I will be okay, just never on the top of the mountain nor in the sun will I lay. So I lie here alone, and oftentimes I prefer it that way, for I'd rather be drowned in my truth than living my life on that mountain of lies. For when I crumble, I'd rather have less of a fall, so maybe, just maybe, rock bottom isn't so bad after all. And maybe those optimists aren't so happy living in lives of denial. I think those who are depressed aren't such a mess, they just know how it feels to fall. Okay, I have one more. Um, I'm right here, I whisper as you scroll through your phone, looking at that girl, forgetting your own. I'm right here, I say, as I wipe my eyes, as I put on a smile to believe all your eyes. Is it because she has blue eyes or locks of blonde hair, or because she shows parts you're unwilling to let me share? I'm right here, I yell, but yet you still stare and tell me I should have no reasons to compare. But I've shown you my bones, and you've seen all my flesh, yet you'd still rather lust for those girls on the net. You've seen all of me. I've shown all my skin, but the internet girls still always seem to win. And you tell me it's nothing. You tell me it's fine, but you make it so easy to read between lines. Is it because of their smiles or because they're all blessed with super small waist and adored perfect breast? And yet here I stand, all open, open for you, wishing just maybe you'd lust for me too. All these pieces of me to you that I've shown, yet you'd still rather look at those girls on your phone. And I've offered my body. I've offered much more, but my appearance is bland and my insides are a bore. But I'll continue to laugh and I'll put on a smile because I guess I'm interesting enough every once in a while. Thank you. I'll give it up one more time for Shania. All right, we have two poets left before we're going to get into our feature, which means our next poet is the penultimate poet of the first round. Y'all, put your hands together for Hot Wheels, the poet! Thank you. Oh, 
I didn't even need a mic, but you know what? We'll take it. Um, for those of you that know me, my name is Brett. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Hot Wheels the Poet. I also accept Lambrettini, Speed Racer, Turbo, whatever. Um, and, by the way, hey Link, does Brett have something coming up soon? Oh my god, does Brett have something coming up soon? Whoa! Brett's doing her senior showcase at the University of Dayton next Sunday at 7 p.m. And y'all should all come because I need people to ask me questions during the Q&A so I don't get a failing grade. It's also going to be live streamed and it's also going to be recorded. So if you're not able to make it, you're still able to make it in spirit. Just let me know that you were able to watch so I know. Yep. Um, or you can text them to me ahead of time, too. Okay. Yeah. Wait, you have to have people, like, ask you questions in order to pass? Yes, I have to have people... Um, which is why I have told, like, multiple people, like, hey, come with questions, please, so that I can talk after. Because I'm not writing an hour and a half's worth of stuff. I'm writing five pieces, and that is all this woman is going to get. <laughs> Um, and the show is called A Love Letter, An Apology, and a Prayer. Um, so this is all pieces devoted to my body and the healing process. Um, so I'm going to use this as my rehearsal time for, those, for two of those pieces. The first one is called Body Forgive Me. Body forgive me, for I have never been the lover that you deserved, rather held you with harsh hands and forced you forward for the purpose of performance. The lights illuminated my lame imitation of normalcy with, battle, with battered bruises covered with covert concealer and the damage dancing from the tips of my tongue, IV scars hidden beneath costume sleeves. You have cried out for centuries, unheard, unloved, uncared for for the purpose of fanfare. Body, forgive me for never putting you first. I wish I could say that I love you as much as the applause, the snaps, the smiles of artists more senior celebrating my growth, but self-love does not always come first in an artist's heart, or second or third, or fourth, or fifth, or ever. Your broken back bends and still I dance, your muscles pull and strain, voice crackling like candy wrappers, yet still I sing. You fall, kneel, stand again, fall, kneel, stand again, fall, kneel, can't stand again. The lights are off, the curtain is down, audience and costumes cleared. No helping hands clapping together can pick you back up. Only me, a sorry sap, weak at the knees, searching for signs of life. Body, forgive me, I have trained you with tears and fears of what I am left with when the show finally closes. Body, forgive me, for once in my life, I want to try. Thank you. This second poem um, is Other People's Shit. Um, the Body is Not an Apology by Sonia Renee Taylor. The Body is Not an Apology. Let it not be forget-me-not fixed to mattress when night threatens to leave the room empty as the belly of a crow. The Body is Not an Apology. Do not present it as, dis as disassembled rifle when he has yet to prove himself more than common intruder. The body is not an apology. Let it not be common as oil, ash, or toilet. Let it not be small as gravel, stain, or teeth. Let it not be mountain when it is sand. Let it not be ocean when it is grass. Let it not be raised, flattened, or shaken flattened or raised in contrition. The body is not an apology. Do not give it as confession, communion. Do not ask for it to be pardoned as criminal. The body is not a crime, it's not a gun. The body is not a spill to be contained. The body is not a lost set of keys, a wrong number dialed. It is not the orange burst of blood to shame white dresses. The body is not an apology. It is not the unintended granules of bone beneath steel. The body is not kill. The body is not unkempt car. The body is not a forgotten appointment. Do not speak it vulgar. The body is not soiled, is not felt to be forgiven. The body is not an apology. It is not father's backhand. 
It is not the drunken sorcery of contorting steel around tree. It is not calamity. The body is not a math test. The body is not a wrong answer. The body is not a failed class. You are not failing. The body is not a cavity. It's not a hole to be filled, to be yanked out. It is not a broken thing to be mended, to be tossed. The body is not prison. It's not a sentence to be served. It is not pavement. It is not prayer. The body is not an apology. Do not give the body as gift, only receive it as such. The body is not to be prayed for, it is to be prayed to. So for the evermore tempt, the body is not to be prayed for, it is to be prayed to. So for the evermore tortile, 10th grade nose, hallelujah. For the shower song throat that crackles like a grandfather's Victrola, hallelujah. For the spine that never healed, for the lambent heart that didn't either, hallelujah. For the sloping polk of back, hip, belly, hosanna. For the errant hairs that rove the face like a pack of rabid wolves, hosanna. For the parts we have endeavored to exercise, blessed be the liver failure the vascular malformation, the womb that opens like a trap door, praise the body and its blackjack magic, even in this, for the razor wire mouth and the sweet god ribbon within it, praise for the mistake that never was, praise for the stake, mistake you never were, praise for the bend, twist, fall, and rise again, fall and rise again, for the raising like an obstinate Christ, for the salvation of the body that bends like a baptismal bull, for those who will worship at the lip of this sanctuary, praise the body, for the body is not an apology, the body is deity. The body is God. The body is God. The only righteous love that never needs repent. Thank you. Y'all give it up one more time for Hot Wheels the Poet. whose senior recital you can attend on Sunday, April 10th at 7 p.m. Correct me if I'm wrong. The first time you ever did poetry was at Lit Fest your freshman year? My freshman year. My five-year poetry anniversary is actually, oddly enough, the day of my senior show. And I oh, that's, that's hilarious. That's awesome. That's awesome. Also, I feel fucking old. We are. Thanks for the... Brutal, brutal reminder, Link. So, while the unbearing march of time rolls on, we're going to go ahead and call up our final poet for the first round of the open mic this evening. Put your hands together for Link! So... I'm doing other people's shit. Other people's shit. Wait. Because about a week and a half ago, we had a Dayton original poet pass away. And he was from, from Dayton. He performed in Dayton many, many times. But his home was the Bowery Poetry Club in New York City that he ran for many years. Um, but poet by the name of Shappy Seaholtz. So if you follow us online, you probably saw me post about it. So I just wanted to... Shappy was the king of the nerds, especially the king of the nerd poets. Um, I'm pretty sure they are at the moment trying to catalog all the shit um, and attempt to sell the shit. I don't know how they're going to do that, because that's a lot. That man had a huge collection. So, just for a second, let's take a minute. Perfect. 
I am that nerd. I am that nerd. I am that eternal nerd of spoken word. I am that nerd. What can I say? I spent all my rent money buying action figures on eBay. But I didn't come here to chit-chat. I came here to role-play. I shall smite thee with my 12-sided die. You better watch out, because I'm coming at you with my nerd eye. I'm rocking you like Getty Lee. I talk to more attractive people if they didn't want to make me have to be myself. I'm a magical elf. Keep your hands off my Star Wars shelf. That's right, bitch. That's a Jawa with his original plastic cape. Don't that flip your switch like the switch Han Solo hit on Boba Fett that caused him to fall into the Sarlacc pit, lest we forget. I'm coming at you in 3D. I'm keeping it real with two E's, you see, because there's nothing you can do because I'm much nerdier and smarter than you. I had Stephen Hawking gosking and gapping for air, blew his mind with my knowledge, and he fell right out of his chair. I beat Matthew Broderick at war games with my Atari. I dug up Einstein's bones and made him say that I'm sorry for that weak-ass theory of relativity, because MC squared equals me, see? I'm the plastic baby Jesus in your mind's nativity. I'll deprogram your mind with my Commodore 64 because I'm so rich in nerd power, I make Bill Gates feel poor. I'll kidnap George Lucas from Skywalker Ranch and lock him in my basement until he removes Jar Jar fucking Binks from every frame of Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, Revenge of the Sith, and replaces him with me. For I am an ancient Jedi Knight, only Yoda be older. I knocked Mork's space egg out of orbit and made him crash in Boulder. I liquefied Alpha and E.T. and drank of their plasma. I'm the motherfucker what gave Darth Vader asthma. Only I can reveal the mystery of the Sith because I just knocked over the black monolith with my boner. Bet you didn't see that one coming. I'm a mystical nerd shaman who never stops drumming on your stupid, stupid mind because I am original Star Trek and you are Deep Space Nine. Shaklock Spock. Hey there, everyone. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Dayton Poetry Slam podcast. We'll be back in a couple weeks with the Letitia Lachey feature from April 3rd. Again, just a reminder that all poets on this episode have done so from their own volition. All copyright material is theirs, unless otherwise stated. You know, they were covering somebody else's poem. They can't claim copyright on it, except maybe the performance. But anyways, check us out online, Dayton Poetry Slam. If you like what you hear here, come on out to a show the first and third Sunday, Yellow Cab Tavern in Dayton, Ohio. And until then, as always, don't do anything I would. If you do, hold out for six mil in a helicopter.